ladies and gents, my next guest is somebody who always kills people with a smile. He always is rocking great submissions. He's consistently on the way of being into a submission of the night highlight reel at any given tournament he is going to be on. I'm excited to bring on Jeremiah Vance. Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you this right now. I am always excited <laughs> to see you. I can see you now, my man. I'm always excited to see you compete for a number of reasons. But I also get very scared for whoever you're rolling with because there are traditional submissions, your heel hooks and your knee bars and what have you. But then there's the stuff that you do, which I feel is very creative. And then I think to myself, like, do, would I even know to tap if, like, my knee is coming all the way back behind my head? Yeah, Bob. And uh, I get I get legitimately concerned for those people who you roll against, sir. So what what is your response to that? Um, are, are you asking if I'm concerned about them? I'm I'm usually just trying to trying to kill them, man. <laughs> I I don't think you need to be super concerned. I'm just saying, do you understand the perspective of somebody who says, you know, I like my head where it is, and I like my knee down there. I would prefer they stay in two separate spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah, you hear that. Well, first of all, let's ask how you're doing. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I just uh, just got done eating right now, so I feel like taking a nap down here. That's probably, you know, know, after. After this interview, I'm, I'm taking a nap. Much better. What a great way to promote this uh, interview, by the way, being like, oh, man, I'm so excited. I could take a nap. Um, I want to make sure this is very clear. You have always been the kindest to me. You are always somebody who's got a great attitude. You're super chill. And one of the nicest things that I saw when you had your match for Subversive is that you, you had a match against Noah Tillis who, when he messaged me, and Noah Tillis is a friend, he's like, yeah, I'm going up against your pal, Jeremiah. And I was like, you're both my friend. <laughs> like, he's I'm a happy tough guy. And he, he was tough. You guys had a really solid match. And I want to ask you a little bit about uh, that match. But first, I want to ask, when he walked out to the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme song, were you at all, like, a little bit like, damn, that's pretty cool? To be honest, I don't even I don't even know the I'm not familiar with the Stone Cold Steve Austin song, but when I when I rewatched it on Flow Grappling, the commentator was like, "Oh shit, he's coming out to the Stone Cold song." I'm like, "Oh damn, that's a good one." Because <laughs> I wonder, I'm like, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna come out to uh, why can't we be friends? You know. Well, I can tell you why we couldn't be friends if we were competing against each other for a number of reasons. <laughs> I just like the fact that you know Noah's a gamer. He's also a, a very solid. Uh, black belt yeah, does gi and no gi has always been a very uh, nice individual but I did notice that when you guys had a match I said I don't know how I see that going necessarily because you guys have two very different styles so tell me a little yeah. bit about how the match went in your recollection um, so shit so right off the bat I noticed that he didn't have a, a rash guard on you know so I was like shit uh, that's kind of, I feel like, uh, I'd rather have a guy having a rash guard on. It's easier to overhook and play rubber guard and well, all we, that. You we know? do say it's, uh, we jokingly refer to it on the podcast as hashtag ADCC style because it's that yeah, person yeah. that's always like, oh, this rash guard, I can't have it on. I need, 
to go out there. And to me, I'm always thinking like, yo, would do the same because I could slip out way easier out of shit if I'm that person. Yeah, just- it changes the game, changes the game a little bit. So like, um, if you're if you're a promoter and you're looking for like more submissions, then it'd be it'd be smart to have the guys wearing rash guards and you know and whatnot. You know, so the guy doesn't have a shirt on after like a minute or two in, you're real sweaty. Yep. everything becomes harder. You know. Yeah, but so that was the first thing I noticed. Um, I'm like, shit, he doesn't have a rash guard. And actually, um, I seen his he competed at Naga recently, I guess. Yeah. So I noticed he wasn't wearing uh, a rash guard either. So I asked the promoter, I'm like, hey, do you, do we have to wear rash guards or not? You know? And he's like, oh yeah, you got to wear rash guards. And I whispered into the ref's ear. I don't know if you've seen that, but I'm like, hey, the guy's got to put a rash guard on. You know? <laughs> I didn't the, see the that. Ref, no. <laughs> the ref walks to the other ref. I guess to like running by him and he came back to me. He's like, nah, he doesn't have to wear one. I was like, yeah. oh. I guess not, you know, but, but no big deal, you know, no, no big deal. I, of course, I'll just to be fair though, head, you know? the, it just changes it slightly. And on Noah's side, he's somebody who's competed in MMA. So to him, that's more natural, you know, like it just yeah, seems like uh, I'd be doing the, I'd be doing the same thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I get it, dude. And I love busting the balls and being like, yo, it's easier to slip out of shit. Way to go. But, like, there are different forms of grappling, and it does make sense, again, given his MMA background and you working with a lot of high-profile people, such as Tony Ferguson. Where There does have to become a point where you say, like, you do have to train like that to replicate what it's going to be like a fight for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, even guys, like, at the gym, um, like, if a guy has deep, deep pants on, and, uh, you know, I mean, that even changes the game a yeah. little bit. If a guy has a short sleeve on, that kind of changes the game a little bit. You know, so there's benefit. There's there's pluses to it, but sure. it, it just depends, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, if a guy doesn't have a shirt, shirt on and I'm dead ordering him, it's easier to take that hand out, you know? So there's some pluses to it, you know? Yeah, there's definitely somebody who's listening to this right now who's thinking, like, shit, if I get caught in a dead orchard, I'm just going out. Literally just going to take my shirt off midway through if I can get an arm out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But back to the question. Yeah. So, um, so, so that was the first thing I, I noticed, you know. But um, and then right after that, because um, I know he's like a, a big MMA fighter and and like good at wrestling and just overall good. You know, he's a veteran. He's been trained for I think like thirteen plus years. From yeah. What I heard, you know, but for a while. So he's a he's a tough guy, you know. Um, so me, of course, I wanna I wanna play guard and all that. So I looked to I looked to sit, you know. So I clinched up and I went to sit. And he just boom right off the bat. He had like a, a, a two punch combo and it just mm. passed my guard. I was like, ah oh, shit, like the first five seconds, you know, that's not the best way to <laughs> get things going, you know. Um, then he's playing neon belly for a little bit and I, I feel I feel fairly safe, um, in, in most positions of course, you know, but um so right there I was just kinda of just being calm and just just uh, just waiting for opportunity to try to recover. And then finally so I'm on my weak side right there. I ended up recovering a quarter guard, and I can't remember if I had an underhook or not. But then from there, I kind of created a little bit of space, or, or he he kind of backed out at the same time, so that allowed me to recover guard. Um, and then he felt real strong, you know. So I, I figured shit, it might be hard to to get to guard on this guy, even if I do get to guard. He felt pretty powerful, you know. You just as soon as you kind of lock up with someone, and you yeah. the first like thirty seconds or minute, you can kind of feel, you know. Yep. Um, their strength and all that. And then, of course, he's technical and all that, too. Um, so then I just started looking to, to enter his legs, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the competitions that I've been playing at uh, recently, like IBJJFs, you can't do any kind of leg locks. Like I was just commenting on one. I put up a uh, one of the Imanari rolls that I had um, I, at IBJJFs. I want to so talk with you about roll. that uh, in a little bit, but continue. All right. So um, yeah, so IBJJF, like their their black belt division rule set is way worse. Like, like, let's say Gracie tournaments or Gracie nationals, if you're a blue belt, you have way more freedom to to play how you want to play, you know. But IBJJ, if you're a black belt, you can't, you can't like, half my game or more than half my game is taken away. You know, you can't Minari roll. Uh, you can't reap delay. You can't heel hook. You can't do anything damn near. You can't calf crush. I don't think at least. But yeah. so, like, IBJJ rules, I really don't even – I'm not even sure exactly what the rules are. And then sometimes I'm like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my game up so I could just try to win by points or just or just kind of game the system a little bit. But sure. then I figure if I do that, it's gonna take away from my submissions as well, and I'll just be losing in both areas, you know. Sure. Um, oh yeah. So then, so with Noah, so uh, back to that. So I end up elevating and going into looking at going to Honey Hole. I think I had one or two entries that kind of fell apart. You know, he was defending well, and then that last uh, finishing sequence had like a collar tie. I elevated and I went in the honey hole, but as I as I figure for my legs, he started taking this this straight arm lock, mm. like with that gable grip. So then I had to kind of abandon what I was doing because it got pretty tight for a second. Yeah. So I had to clear my elbow, and I kind of like inverted. And then once my elbow was cleared, I tried to drag, try to re-enter the legs again, and they kind of like scramble re-enter into 50-50. Uh, he crossed his legs, and I split him. And then he tried to like double leg lace me for a second. I split his legs and then ended up catching that inside heel hook. I did yeah, notice I mean, though. Could went could went either way though. You know, he's a tough guy. Absolutely, I did notice though when uh, you know he had a couple good poses while uh, in your leg locks. And I know that personally, I I would not take a moment to pose, but I am yeah. also not a, a very solid black belt like he is. Um, I just knew from a comedic angle, I was like, once I saw a couple of the photos, I go, oh, I got to make fun of him for this. He and I are going to have words on this. Um, but I love the fact that, like, when you were starting your leg attacks, he did prove very adept at recognizing where that trouble was coming from. And so at the very beginning, you know, he was doing some really solid things that I thought um, to work the escapes. But the hardest part about it is, is I feel like it's such a, it's such a low a low percentage in terms of allowing your escapes to happen just with split seconds of delays because i noticed in a couple moments where i was like damn dude i think he needs to work on the escape here and he didn't take advantage of those moments i was like oh shit yeah you can't do that with somebody like you you know you're you're gonna have those advantages real quick yeah so like um he was at one point i had kind of like a like a far hip, um, like honey hole kind of thing going yeah. on, and I was I was like almost under his heel, but he was good at t- he was real good at tucking his heel, so he's real familiar with the positions, you know. Yeah. And like where his, his ankle or foot placement is and all that, so he knows what's going on. And then uh, with leg battles, there's like a few different ways to play it. Um, you could you could, it's kind of like it's a it's a shootout, you know. It's like you're you're both just gunslinging, you know, like um. I could be in a dominant leg position, but it can he can pass my leg, root my leg to one side, and it just changes back and forth, you know. So it's somewhat yeah. of a shootout sometimes. Um, 
but there's you could either you can either stay in the fire and shoot back or you can just completely disengage you know but i think like sometimes just running away and disengaging makes it tough like a lot of guys with eddie cummings um just completely disengage yeah. you know what i mean and then it's easier for the person on offense so then they just keep taking shots and taking shots till one lands but sometimes i think when you uh, when you attack back or, or counter attack then it makes it harder for guys to work their game sure. you know sure and then too like at headquarters i'm always i'm constantly training legs with uh guys like marvin brandon Lim, carlos guyton you know and then ramey and all that so um trading legs with those guys makes me pretty comfortable in most most positions you know i always wonder though like i don't know what old age is going to look like for any of you guys just because the amount of leg work that y'all are doing <laughs> like the amount of toll that's going to end up taking i always tell people i'm like when they go man you just wait till you're like 60 and i'm like you mean 40 yeah like dog i'm gonna, I'm gonna have a hard time walking in 10 years that's why half the time I'm always trying to like study your guys' stuff because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, listen, if somebody's trying to heel hook me when I turn 42, it's going to not go very well. It's not like yeah. I'm going to be on the sidelines being like, ooh, cool, I'm going to rest this and I'll be back in two weeks, guys. No big deal. It's always like whenever I see somebody attacking the legs, I'm like, nah, you got to play smart and savvy and, and really understand the beast of the game. But those guys are, are yeah. no slouches, so that, that's really good. I really like the idea, So again, when you end up finishing, though, you know, did you kind of see that as the way you were going to finish? Or did it kind of like meet the expectation of how you, you saw that match kind of finalized? Um, to be honest, like for, for, uh, before a match, I'm never like, uh, I'm never like, Oh, I'm for sure. I'm going to beat this guy. You know, I'm always like, it's weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but some guys got like super crazy confidence. I guess they're like, Oh, there's no way I'm losing this guy. I'm sure. Crush this guy, you know, but, for me, I'm always thinking, like, shit, this guy's training hard just like I'm training hard. Like, anything could happen, you know I mean? You never you never know. Even it can go either way, you know? But um, so me, I'm always, I don't know, I just figure, like, I'm pretty tough to kill, you know, I feel like. Um, and then eventually I feel like, especially, like, sub only, I feel like, like, IBJJF is a whole nother game, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's easy to disengage and all that. Even, like, fight to win, it's sub only, but the same time it can go to the decision you know so i think ebi rules are going to be the best like my opinion um for one-on-one -on -one matches or like super matches it's either a 15 or 20 minute round and then unlimited ebi over time that'd be the best scenario you know um but for this or what was the question again i forget no i was just asking you know uh, a lot of people do try to visualize and there there's a lot oh, of, yeah, yeah. of talk about trying to see what it is in your head and Obviously, not everything goes according to plan, but when you get to your sort of level, you do know what you're good at and what you tend to be able to see, like, no, this is my wheelhouse. I see myself being able to pull this off. So I'm just curious if that's something when you are game planning or you are putting things together, because you're clearly studying other people as well as you're doing it, if it yeah. kind of meets that expectation as you're kind of finishing. Yeah, so I like to, I like to have, like, the first the first uh, engagement, the first sequence already like kind of somewhat planned out, you know, or know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And then I have like, uh, I like to put like maybe three or four different submissions in mind, you know, and maybe a uh, three or four different positions that I'm looking for beforehand. Yeah. Just kind of have them in mind. I'm kind of generally looking for that. And of course 
if something else comes up, then something else comes up. But sure. of course, Darren, I'm trying to usually get to guard. If I can take guard, I'll take guard or overhook or any kind of leg injuries. You know, and if a guy wants to sit, then I usually I'll try to pass. I'm not gonna both. I'm not gonna sit if a guy sits. I usually look to pass too because I got I feel like I got pretty good um, like pressure game. But a lot of, but I don't really wrestle all that much, so a lot of times I can't dictate if I'm gonna be on top or not. You know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's cool, dude. Okay, so let's get to this IBJJF thing. Because, again, congratulations on your finish over there. I mean, you 100% are putting um, the Flow Grappling review highlight uh, machine in business. So uh, kudos to you for that, sir. Uh, what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to share on my screen or see if I can share this with you because I want you to just – it's a real quick clip. I'm, you put it up, so you're familiar with it. But there was something that just kind of didn't – I don't know that you could call it not sitting right with you, but it just seemed vaguely confusing. We had some people comment in our comment section, so I just kind of want to have you walk us through this. So I'm going to go ahead and put uh, what is like a clipping that I got in here. So let's start from the right beginning, and you can see this on your screen, right? No. Uh, if you go ahead and press your, your phone real quick. You should be able to say that it's going to accept something new. So no, it should just, be that I'm trying to share screen. Yeah, no, I don't see that. All right, well, I'm going to walk you through what I'm seeing here, which is this simpleness. You start your MNRI roll. You go to try and touch. And then all of a sudden, we see the ref literally throw out his hands as to say, nah, we're good here. So the interesting thing is, is when you go back on the MNR, you literally, as you roll to the ground, are trying to grab his leg and trying to finish the roll where you get your knee on the inside. So it looks to any one of us as something that's fairly normal or commonplace. So where was the discrepancy on the rules for you on that? So, and, and I'm guessing at it, of course, because I don't know the the rules, you know, really, I just know you can't like reap and heel hook and all that. Um, but I think because right when I land, he's like, whoa, you know, they make that noise and then whatever that means. And then he's like, I guess he called time. I thought he was going to disqualify me, but then he just said, uh, hang on one second. Yeah, go for it. Clearly. It yeah. So like... I thought he was going to, there it is. I thought he was going to, uh, DQ me, but he just ended up restarting us. But I think from like seeing people comment and all that, I think what it is is um, I got to make contact with them before I actually dive in or something. I'm not sure, but the way I was looking at it is it's just like an ankle pick. Like if I if I go to ankle yeah. pick the guy and have to crawl on my knees for a second and then boom, grab an ankle, I don't see the difference. I'm just on my back looking for his ankle and then sweeping him. And then the, there was no reef at all. It was a cross Ashi position, so the leg entanglement was fine. But I guess just the initial engagement. But again, like this is the this is the black belt adult black belt division at IBJJF, and, and they're stopping like just basic movements. You know, it's kind of kind of sucks. I mean, I guess the real thing is uh, twofold. Number one, is the IBJJF really trying to tell us how to take down people? Because I'm not sure that they should be the leading expert into this. And Pete McGregor was bringing up this note, and I think he was saying Brandon McCatherine made a point to say that in saying they entered in an offensive position immediately upon entry, and then he was getting penalized for that is ridiculous. So to all of us who 
as I'm pointing out, when you're trying to grab as you're making the transition into the position, yeah. a leg, it does show you trying to make contact. It just kind of reeks of that IBJJF, like, no, 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 you're doing too good, and uh, stop. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to us. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. Like, I wonder how long those guys are going to be be around, like five, ten years from now. Like, I don't know. With with the rule set, I think eventually they have to change. You know, I can't imagine them still being um, at the top of the food chain. Honestly, as far as like number one non-invitational in the world, it's possible. Like, ten years. The hard part about it is, I feel like IBJJF has prestige, and I feel like part of that is people buying into that. So that's part of it. And I feel like that's a perception that I don't know that you can change. Because when you have all these legends who have these medals, and you think to yourself, I want to be like them. I want to have that medal. There's there's a little built-in thing there. The thing that complicates it, though, is when you hear that they're going to charge every belt. And I don't know the accuracy of this, but every belt to compete and have dues and that sort of a thing where it used to just be black belts. Then it became black belts and brown belts. And now it's black belts brown belts and purple belts and you just think to yourself well if you're somebody who's maybe not interested in those medals to be like a buchecha what's going to stop you from going to a local tournament and just saying like i'd rather just turn in a performance here because i'm just trying to grapple and get better so i yeah. think there's a real fear from the ibjjf to maintain their traditional dominance in that way but i feel like that resistance is going to keep them from evolving and potentially lose them some people. The one thing that I would say that makes me a little nervous is you have uh, organizations like the NFL where people are now criticizing them for being too soft when they tackle somebody because they're saying, yeah, oh, the rules are watching down. the Steelers. Yeah, so not to cut you off. I was uh, watching the Steelers game last night with my cousin, and I guess he's saying, like, there's a new rule. You can't even really tackle the quarterback or you got to, like, laid down softly or something yeah, yeah i'm like damn what happens in you know in five years from now then they and it's just two hand touch or they put a flag on them or <laughs> you know what i mean it, like eventually if it's going in that direction it's just going to get progressively worse i just think it, like, a lot of it came from uh, a clay matthews set of uh plays that have happened within the past few weeks where people felt especially outraged where it's like i didn't see what other people might see or that doesn't seem to make sense you know part of me thinks like <laughs> comedically that you're going to look and say that at a certain point, instead of actually tackling the quarterback, you're going to have to like reason with him and start to be like, Hey buddy, you don't want to do this because there's, you got a lot on the line, man. I'm just going to tell you real quick. If you just put that football down, we'll let your daughter go. I don't want to tell you who has her or what's going on, but just put it down, you know? So yeah, talk him in the lane down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and if it's me, I, I would do what I normally do when I try to pass guard and the person's too good. Uh, I just start talking shit. And I literally just start being like, you call this a guard? The people are like, oh my God. And I was like, no, I didn't pass you. I didn't do anything special. I just made fun of you. Um, Jake Wasif actually asked this question. I think it's important to note because you said, do you not think you should have a specific game style for IBJJF style comps? And you kind of mentioned that when you said, you know, you, you do look at the rules and you do want to play into that, that realm. But like, you know, Having said that, especially with your experience recently with that MNRI role, is that something you take forward, or do you even go back to trying to do an IBJJF in the future? Uh, one second. I think I, am I still on here? I think I might have lost you. No, you're you're on. All right. 
Oh, so you're saying uh, say that one more time? Yeah, of course. I got you, man. My question is, like, given the way that you had that last result, you know, is competing at IBJJF even something that interests you still? Yeah, of course. Like, um, so, like, kind of like what you were saying earlier, the way the way I figure it is, like, um, uh, so, like, the best, the best show to be on, right, is going to be, in my opinion, is going to be uh, – it's going to be EBI, right? It's going to be sure. EBI because there's cash prize, of course, and, and a big cash prize, and it's on uh, UFC Fight Pass. So that's like that's like as good as it gets, right? And then, of course, like ADCC, they're on Flow Grappling and then cash prize. But So I think Fight Pass, as far as viewership, that's probably going to be the best thing to be on, you know, to be on, you know, and then it's going to be like anything that's on Flow Grappling and all that. Mm. Um, and then after that, it's going to be just like, local backyard boogie tournaments that offer cap prize or IBJJF, you know, because I figure, especially like 10 planet, a lot of the 10 planet guys are really not too, um, heavy on, uh, IBJJF. Right. So I figure the more 10 planet hits the podium at IBJJF, the, the better it is for us. You know what I mean? Because it's really not, our, it's really not our rule set, but me like going in, uh, to IBJJF, I already know that's going to be the rule set that I, that, that I don't like, you know? Yeah. Um, can't leg lock or heel hook, and then on top of it, you gotta you got to pay all kinds of money to, to compete and all that. So so what I really don't – there's one there's two things I like about them that they're pretty organized, right? And one thing I like about it is their, their uh, weight classes. Once you weigh in, you jump right on the mat. So guys are pretty mm. much your, your same exact weight, you know. It's not like a guy cuts 20 pounds, he's willing to do a little more damage to his body, and then he blows back up. Right. Um, so I like I like that about him, and I like that it's a 10-minute match. You know what I mean? So that gives you at least a couple shots at it. But uh, what I don't like, I, I don't really think they, they really care about their competitors at all, you know. So I was at Pan Americans in New York, and, and all this stuff, like, comes out of my own pocket. It costs money to head out there and, yeah. and get a hotel and all that, and you got to pay to compete. And then they're selling your footage. You're paying them to compete. Then they're selling your footage to flow grappling and all that, right? And then you got to pay to watch your own footage. I'm not even sure if you're able to really use your own footage, too, to promote yourself. They haven't really said anything yet. I think they're fairly lenient with it. Um, and flow grappling has been showing me a lot of love, so I'm not trying to bash them or anything like that. Sure. But it just sucks that, but it just sucks that you got to pay to compete. you got to pay to be the entertainment. And then you got to pay to watch your own footage. you got you know, all that stuff. And then you get there, right? So there's no there's no warm up mat at all. So I thought I cut uh, cut enough weight. You know, I had like a, I think like five pounds to lose. You know, um, so anyways, I, I lost like three pounds. I took a shower. I thought it was five. I showed up to the event. I was two pounds over. So I guess my scale was a little bit off. And I got like 25 minutes before I have to go up. And I'm like shit. I'm like all right. Well, at least there's gonna be warm up mats here. This is Pan Americans, so like one of their bigger tournaments. And I'm looking around. I'm like, damn, there's no warm up mats. So me and my buddy Renee, we had to go outside and we found a patch of grass and it's just like <laughs> grass and mud, you know? Yeah. And I threw a hoodie on and I feel bad for him because he, he wasn't even competing that day. So he's in his regular oh, no. boat doing me a solid, you know? So we, we worked out for like 20 minutes drilling and rolling just so I could lose that weight. And I got like, there's all kinds of mud and dirt in between my toes. looks like I walked there from Bellflower or something, <laughs> you know? So then I just got to go rush over there, weigh in, and jump on the mat. I'm like, man, this is that's how they treat their competitors. You know, they don't. I mean, they could have threw at least a 20 by 20, throw some zebra mats down. I'm so surprised they didn't have a warm up mat. That's oddly, like, again, uh, uh, 
I know they're weird about a lot of the things, but uh, it's a uh, it's one that makes you scratch your head a little bit more than you know. Hey, this is a discrepancy on the rules. You know that just seems odd, especially because they are so consistently good at that. Like you mentioned, the benefits of the IBJJF are always like, yeah, they are clockwork. They do usually run fairly, you know, to a well-oiled machine. Even if it's not perfectly on time, it's at least probably a better average than your local ones. So it's a little bit of a give and take, but man, that's that's got to be rough. So uh, I believe it was yeah. Renee, right? Yeah, Renee helped me out. Yeah, so like Good I did Jeff, they're, uh, they, they, they don't care about the competitors at all. In my opinion, that's their last priority, you know what I mean? And of course, like if you miss weight or the scales off, they're really quick. They'd like to DQ everyone if they could, then they don't got to, that saves time, you know what I mean? The less matches <laughs> they have, you know? Be a really but, interesting podium, though. <laughs> just a shot of just a, a gold medal hanging on a coat hanger and them being like, eh, we, nobody won. Yeah, and there's and then, and then like there's so many rules with the with the ten planet rash guards like like I have even like my close friends like one day they're able to compete and then like two months later that same rash guard they're not allowed to wear it and then you know it's like hit or miss so I don't even know about like their their uh, gear well, the, rules. I know the they dress, have to down the dress so, code like, is a weird one to me just in the sense that it makes me feel. Like you are part of a pyramid scheme when you walk in and they go, oh, this rash guard's not right. But hey, I got this real good rash guard right here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, listen, exactly. it's only fifty nine ninety nine. You can have your, yeah. your competitive. Do you want that gold medal? We're going to yeah. start calling you Little Buchecha. If you, yep, yep, and here you go. I, that part always makes me feel very weird. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, like, the weird part is, is like, we're the people who are saying, like, well, you know, you're competing in a rash guard. I guess obviously you do want them to be a little bit more uniform if you can, but for the most part, I don't know how much that bugs the competitors uh, as much as they say it does. I think it's more so like you guys, by a certain point, your nerves just get to a point where you just want to compete, you know? You just want to yeah. do it. And like half the time, I'm pretty sure they see people and they go, I don't care what they're wearing, just shut up and let's just do this, you know? So. Yeah, and it's tough. Like, say, say the same rash guard I've been wearing the last like three tournaments and they keep approving it and then i show up to one tournament and i'm out of town and they're like hey you can't wear that then it's like shit if i don't have money to buy one right there on the spot then i'm disqualified you know yeah. what i mean and then even it, so then in the, now i kind of got it figured out a little bit but before i'd have like like two different rash guards and two different shorts just in case you know what i mean and sometimes i'd have to change right there until they give me the okay you know yeah, dog, i don't even compete but i still have backup everything on me because i'm just I'm not even, like, I'm so worried about, like, my friends that I'm always, like, I've got a spare on me. Just whatever you need, if we can do that, or, you know, I'm, I just, I can't go somewhere without being prepared, and I always feel like something's going to go wrong, so I always just am like, nope, I got something for you, dude. I got this. Do you need shorts? Are you as fat as me? All right, here you go. Um, so that's usually it. But, Jeremiah, let's talk about a tournament that is coming up that I'm very excited about, because... Uh, our good friend Drew Maria is putting on a tournament over at 10th Planet Marietta. And I thought it was interesting when they announced it because there's a big fascination right now with doing these team tournaments sort of vibes. And I'm a little confused as to how it is going to go, but I'd love to hear you describe what's going on. So you and Sergio Hernandez are essentially team captains here? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so team team captains, and uh, as far as I as far as I know, I could have a couple of details wrong, but uh, it's going to be three on three. Uh, me and Sergio are team captains, and the total combined team weight is 470 pounds. Right, so he gets to pick anyone anyone he wants. Um, he can have Eddie Cummings and Craig Jones on his team if he wants. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, from your own gym, right? But um, so the two guys I picked are, are 10 Planet guys, you know. Mm. Um, so it's going to be us versus them, 470 pound uh, weight limit. It's going to be, I think, October 7th on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be, as far as I know, it's going to be um, kind of like quintet style. Like it's going to be a 10 minute round. And if no one wins, um, then you're both out and the uh, winner stays on. So first first team with three kills ends up winning 1500 bucks. That's pretty good. You know, this is the thing I really do appreciate about this format is that I feel it's reinvigorated interest in a completely different way. When I was watching Quintet 2, I literally got way more excited about a tournament that I've been in a while just because of the dynamic changing, you know, like seeing a person with such a weight difference and then saying, oh, they got to cut that time down by half now. Oh, now they've got to do this, and this person's got to stay in until they get in and out. Like it, it made me way more interested in that. So when I knew Drew was putting together a team, uh, sort of event, in addition to like the open tournament he had, and having you guys be the showcase, I just thought that's really unique and cool. So, um, do we know who those people are, or when does that get announced? Yeah, so um, I think they're gonna release. Um, this week, I think they're going to release one guy from each team, and then the following week, they're going to release um, another guy from, or the, the final guy from each team. Okay. And I just found out today who his uh, two uh, picks are. Oh, you and did? He also, yeah, he also found out today. So huh. I'll let I'll let you guys know one guy. So one okay. guy that we, that's going to be on my team. Uh, it's going to be uh, or take take a couple guesses at it, man. I want to. What do you mean take a couple guesses at this? This is not a game <laughs> show. I'm hosting this show. <laughs> so for so for uh, so for Sergio Hernandez, I was guessing. I'm like, oh, for sure he's going to have Barrett in there. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's just kind of like my guess, you know, because Barrett's a tough guy and he's always down to compete. And then there's money involved, so. Um, but he doesn't have Barrett on his team. Interesting. I can tell you that. But uh, so, anyways, I got uh, Kevin Burbrick. That's my. Uh, that's one of my two picks right that's there. A, that's a good solid pick, man. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. He's he's solid, man. So I've been training with Kevin for for a while now. When I was uh, blue belt, he was a brown belt, and I was he helped me come up a lot. You know, I was always yeah. taking private lessons with him and all that. Um, so shit, now I get to compete with him. So I'm pumped. Dude, that's pretty. That. Du- and I just saw like there was an Instagram story with him, and you know when you're you're kind of breezing through people's like Instagram stories and whatnot. I that saw backbreaker. I saw that fool hit a backbreaker on somebody, yeah. and I was like, I don't want any part of that. Like, yeah. at what point are we doing jujitsu as friends? And you're gonna do that to me, Kevin? Yeah. Friendship over, friend. Yeah, he he hit me with. Um... Um, I don't know if it was the last time I was out there, but one time he hit me with uh, some kind of like, I don't even, I don't know if it's a camel clutch or what, but some kind of like backbreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and the way he set it up, it was crazy. If he would actually like, you know, had bad intentions, of course he doesn't. We're yeah, training, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But if it was like, say, UFC or like a competition, where oh, yeah. close, he could have literally just broke my back in half. You, you know, know so I think I saw of, him do that too. Cool it's similar Say to, 
I think I saw him do that one too because I think it's similar to the way like I've seen Jeff Glover set it up. Um, like years ago when we whole started the whole like WWE BJJ thing, uh, we put up like a camel clutch video and Glover, I think put underneath it. It's been done. And I just remember being like, listen, Glover, I understand dude. You've seen it all. And I saw him set it up in like a different video and I go, that's pretty clean. Like he does it in that like kind of back mount way where he sneaks up his knees and then instead of like putting the arms around the knees, he just kind of lifts up on that chin. And it's just like, like you said, if he's bad intentioned, no one's going to lift with gentleness. It's going to be like a fucking crank. So, uh, yeah, no, it, but I saw that backbreaker and I was I, I thought two things. First thing was in jujitsu, I'm not trying to pick up anybody. And I understand there's a nice way of like, he's using some kind of momentum to come up and bring the person onto his knee magically. But it was like, listen, half the time I get out of shit, it's all hurting. <laughs> like, it's just like yeah. my own body is dying. So I'm like, oh man, I got out of this, but I'm dead for it. So, uh, well, that's cool. I hope he finishes with that because I'm commentating that event. I don't know if we've even announced that to people, but uh, I will, I will be, I have surprises too, sir. Uh, I will be commentating that event and I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, and you and Sergio Hernandez have had matches together already, correct? Yeah, we, we competed against each other, uh, once before and he's a, and Sergio's a real cool guy. He's a friend of mine, you know? Um, I first met him, I took his seminar in Vegas maybe a couple years ago. So he's got a real good style. I really like his style. You know, he plays like that side rubber guard, and he's got a lot of – that's what I like about jiu-jitsu. Like, like straightforward jiu-jitsu is cool too, but I like the, the creative kind of jiu-jitsu, you know. Um, like he, he does that uh, – I'm not even sure what it's called, but he plays like rubber side, puts his foot in your armpit. Yeah. And then – and then takes like an arm bar. He has a few different submissions. He's called it, I like, think, or they've referred to it affectionately as uh, Sergio Guard. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's funny because I, I remember at one of our tournaments, Eric was going up against him. And I was commenting yeah. on that. And yeah, that, that ultimate Matt Warrior, right? Uh, that one was for USSGL. And, oh, right. uh, USSGL. But there was also one that they did. Uh, he, uh, there was the Ultimate Matt Warriors as well, and I was there for that one, and I was photographing. So I'm always doing something where I can't yell out something, you know? And as a friend, you want to be able to do that. But if you're covering and you're a reporter, you really shouldn't be yelling out, like, hey, Eric, he's looking real bad on his left side, pass that way, you know? So I, I really try not to do that. But I did do one thing with that as I was yelling out time because I figured time was a factual thing. <laughs> it was like, you can't make up, like, he looks weak here. It's just like five minutes. But he was putting Eric in some bad spots and Eric was able to win the first one. The second time, you know, Eric had already been in Sergio Garden. It's just terrible, you know. It's just, he has a really creative way of getting it. And right when you think he can't get it, he can but the big yeah. takeaway I had was as much as I wanted to yell things out and help him, I was like, yeah, I got nothing for you, dude. You're just stuck in this guard. Try not to die. Yeah. yeah he's got a, he's got an interesting style. And then that, 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 uh, rubber guard, rash guard. Um, he's actually the artist for that one. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, dude. And he's, uh, uh he's like a tattoo artist, right? Yeah. He's a tattoo artist and, and he does like draws and all that too, you know? So he's, yeah, so he's got a lot of cool stuff, you know? Yeah, no, he's good people. And uh, I'm very much excited to see you guys uh, get that competition going. So uh, Kevin Burrick, you, and then we're going to find out who he's got. But it's not Barrett Yoshida. 
So if yeah. you're putting clues together, it's three and three. There's only three more slots that we need to find out uh, yeah. that we'll, we'll hear. Uh, I may have heard who he's got on his team as well, and uh, I think it will it will be a good match. I think people will be very excited to see uh, the type of uh, matches y'all are going to bring. Yeah, it's going to be a good match. And then, so the lineup, I think we're going to pick the, the order um, the day of, you know, so Ooh. we're not sure. So I'm, I may not even face him or yeah. you never know, you know. So we're just going to pick, pick our three in order. He's going to pick his three, and then however it comes out is, is uh, the way it's going to play out, you know. Well, that's awesome, dude. And I love, like I mentioned earlier, it's going to be an open tournament, white, blue, purple belts, and then you guys are going to be the showcase. So if you guys are out near 10th Planet Marietta, you want to get some good competition. I believe it's only like 40 bucks to compete. Um, yeah, 40 bucks. Like, and I got, I think I got like two or three of my students too from 10th Planet Santa Barbara. Sick. They're going to compete as well, so that's going to be neat. That's awesome, dude. And I, I, I always look forward to that because, you know, we mentioned the IBJJF and is you know traditionally and what they do at Pristine and all that sort of stuff. I do love the fact when we see these other tournaments come up that give people who just might not want to pull the trigger or might not be interested in it. Like, it's low cost, really good competition, really run efficiently. So I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, some good faces out there competing. And then for the showcase, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll put on a good show for the people. Yeah, when it's... So I think that's the, the that's like the new thing. I think it's going to take over that team style, you know. I think when it's so, in my opinion, like EBI ten when Geo won, yeah. and then Quintet um, in Japan, those are the two best competitions I've ever I've ever seen, you know. Um, and and I you think were like, there for that, right? Yeah, I was there for that one. Holy so. fuck, we never even really got to talk about that. What was that experience like? Because I know. When, I mean, we've discussed with Gio the, the craziness that was, you know, you guys survived that first round and then the second round comes in, it banged up, you know you got to regroup, you have a little bit of a break and Eddie comes in and, you know, kind of keeps you guys motivated. But the one thing I told him was, especially with Amir, I was like, what happens? And the joke I said to Luis was, I said, are they just going to throw you in and be like, hey, pretend to be big? Yeah, so like the the first match, um, uh, Gio had that uh, I forget the guy's name, the, the judo Olympian, uh, uh, Satoshi. Yeah, he's like two fifty plus. Yeah. I'm not sure how big he is, but Gio's like one hundred forty pounds or something. But anyways, the guy's over hundred pounds bigger than him, and then he locked that Kimura up. So the goal against him was, I guess, somewhat survive, you know. But Gio still came out attacking. Gio was attacking that Kimura of his own, you know. Yeah. But then eventually the guy's huge, you know, and the guy's real technical. But he ended up having a Kimura, and Gio didn't have his grip anymore for a split second. It was bent behind his back. But yeah. Gio's got, you know, tons of heart, so of course he didn't tap, and he's real technically sound. But he ended up surviving that match. So I was, I was, man, that set it off right there. Like just seeing that is, that was nuts, you know. And then, um, oh, and then Boogie Darst Sakuraba, man, that was, that was crazy too, right? And then I think Boogie had. <laughs> Uh, Rita next, and then mm -hmm. got caught with the arm bar, and then uh, Geo had Rita. Man, that was a, another another giant, you know. Ended up snapping him down, and then um, I think he butterfly swept him with the head and arm, and then turned it into a uh, no arm guillotine. That yeah. was that's crazy, man. Because that guy Rita was was just running through everyone. He I think was he a had monster, like three, dude. Three or four wins, you know, he was just crushing guys. 
I just and he's, really. he's huge. He, he's big, athletic, and real technical. That's like that's someone that's tough to beat. You know? Yeah, and I I just had such an appreciation. You talk about iconic moments in people's careers for both Geo and Boogie. They have two major iconic moments. But that's not to overshadow the rest of the team who that was a everybody had to pull their weight. And I think that's what made it so entertaining is that everybody got yeah. their time to shine. And I thought for myself, when I look at these events and you get excited about them as a fan, you know, you're always looking for what's new, what's different. For this one in particular, you just got excited because you said it changes the way you watch and it changes the way you root for people because you find yourself rooting for more than just one person at a time, you know. Yeah, exactly. And if you're on the team too, it's like if you if it's a one on one match or something and you lose, it's like all right, you let yourself down. But sure. when, when your team's counting on you, you know, you kind of I think you give it that little bit of extra. You know, you really don't want to tab. You're gonna like really really push the limits a lot more. You know. Well, I think that's pretty cool that now you get to head up your own team. You get to rep for the Tenth Planet banner. I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, Jeremiah, what's coming up next for you, man? I know that uh, it's October seventh. That's going to be on a Sunday. It's the day after Conor McGregor and Khabib. So don't get too drunk, you guys. Okay? Yeah. Drink yeah, moderately. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Ferguson versus uh, Pettis that night, too. So oh, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Listen, I need to ask a question here. Uh, we've asked you about training with Tony before. And listen, I get it. Tony's amazing. He's super good. This video of him with that weight, with the bar. Uh, two cylinders on the side. Have you seen this? No, which one? The bar and two cylinders. Okay, so he's got like a weightlifting bar, okay? Yeah. But with the weightlifting bar, there's two like like weighted cylinder or like column kind of things on the ends of it. And he's just kind of like moving it around. And the Strangle Squad had a meme that they made about it. That they said, yo, why does it look like Tony Ferguson got his dick stuck in an electrical socket? And I, first of all, can't stop laughing at that. But second of all, I don't know what it does. I don't know what the thought behind it is. And I wanted to see, maybe it's something I don't know. But I don't know if you can see this. But I'm going to put this right here. Go, Go bring the phone down a little bit. Bring your phone down just a tiny bit. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what that is, dude. And I'm trying so hard to figure it out. But comedically, it's really funny to see that. Yeah. But see, the crazy thing, like, Tony's got, he's got so, his training's really unorthodox. You know, that's like, I think that's what makes him tough. You know, he doesn't train like, he doesn't train like regular people. You know, he's got like his uh his cardio and all that and like just the unorthodox training that he's doing, I think it's gonna be tough for for uh, Pettis, you know what I mean? So I, I mean there's there's something there's truth behind the madness though, you know, he's got something up his sleeve. Listen, dude, you I'm just putting it out to you. Try and get me an answer as to what that is, because until then, dick and socket and I can't stop laughing at it. But if someone tells me it's got a real application I had people who actually are trainers messaged me and said, first of all, this is very funny. Second of all, I can't figure out what it is. And I was like, you think I know what it is? I just know it's funny looking. I'm sure there's got to be some reason he's doing it. Or it's just somebody doing like, hey, here's a dare. And he's just like, oh, we were just being funny. But if you ever give me an answer on that, I would very much appreciate it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm training with him tonight at like 830. So I'm going to 
I'm going to ask him. So send me that video if you can. <laughs> 100% send you the video. I just want to make sure that Tony knows I didn't make that video. As, but if he thinks it's funny, you can tell him I was definitely something I thought of, even though the Strangle Squad made it. Um, let's say this. All right. So October 7th, what else is coming up, man? Um, shit, after that, I think we've got um, ADCC trials. Yes, sir. Oh, and then but, uh, before that, I'm going out to Michigan. My uh, buddy, Randy Bettino, he's got a, a MMA fight. So I'm going to help nice. him out that week and do what I can, you know. Um, but he's fighting. I think it's his, his third fight. He's already 2-0, and and he's uh, fighting out of Muskegee in Michigan. Very nice. Um, so, so I'm going to do that. And then... I think IBJJF Worlds is in December, and then we got ADCC East Coast Trials and West Coast Trials nice. coming up as well. You know, and then hopefully I can get on like a, hopefully I can get on Polaris or, or one of those tournaments. You know, get a get a good match. So I was supposed to. They're messaging me right after I got my black belt. They're like, "Hey, uh, um, pencil it in for July. You know, the next Polaris coming up." I'm like, "All right, I'm ready to go." You know, and then from there, just kind of fell apart i hit him back a few times and they're like oh what weight are you again you know so um that kind of fell apart but hopefully that that comes up soon you know well we... oh and then uh, i think on an invitational i forgot about that on an invitational um in december nice. i think on it on it 10 or 11 i'm not too sure and i don't have a, an opponent yet but it's kind of like a like a rough date you know okay all right, all right. I'm 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 into that, dude. That's dope, man. I think you make a lot of sense for, especially Ana and Polaris. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'm sad you weren't on that card because you might have made it more interesting because, you know, last one was kind of, woo! Anyway, that's not important. Um, yeah. I just want to make it yeah. very clear. Yeah, and then with, like, um, so that's the thing. Another reason why I'm competing at IBJJF so much is because it's, it's a non-invitational. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you can't force like uh, another another uh, promotion to put you on, you know. Yeah. So until then, it's just trying to get um, as many highlights as I can, you know. So that's another thing too. Like when I'm competing at IBJJF, of course, like winning gold, that'd be great, you know. But me personally, I'd rather have like one or two highlight submissions than ten wins by points or advantage. Yeah. Prefer, you know what I mean. Well, it's always fun whenever I see people sharing your, your submissions, man, because I always know the hard work you put in for it. I know you're a good guy. I know that you're always uh, super cordial, and I, I feel like the attention that Flow Grappling gives you is, is well-deserved. So kudos on that stuff, man. And I'm very much yeah, looking forward to... appreciate those guys. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm very much looking forward to getting to commentate one of your matches coming up because... Uh, or maybe multiple. I don't know what the order is. I don't know how it's going, but I know it'll be a lot of fun because you and Sergio both, you've had great matches before, but you guys have very funky and unique styles, and they say styles make matches. So getting to watch it is always fun, but getting to commentate that sort of thing is, is a, a true, true blast. And then when all that's said and done, you know, when you get all that finished, you're the one who's trying to take a belt away from me from WWE BJJ. And I mean, we'll settle that after you do all those things. But I'm just trying to tell you, dude, I know you're creative. I know you're different. I just, I really want to say as a friend, don't. Because I, I just, I don't see it going well for you. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out with that. With that. Was it a, a, a leopard print leotard? Like, was it a Superfly Jimmy Snooker? Yeah. 
I don't know if you saw, but there was an MMA fight the other day where some guy did like a double axe handle kind of like smash on his downed opponent and they disqualified him. And I was like, this fool was willing to risk it all for that. And that really (laughs) happened in a title fight. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's funny. I'll I'll have to contend with one Zach Maslany first over the weekend, but I'm sure I'll make quick work of him. Uh, Anyway, Jeremiah. It's great talking oh, is, with you. Is, uh, is Zach out there with you right now? He's not with me right now. I, I, dude, I've been trying to figure out where he is. Uh, when I was in Vegas, he just randomly messaged me, and it was just like, or no, I messaged him because I saw he was like, oh, I'm gonna be here in Vegas, and I happen to be training there on a random Wednesday, and they go, oh, Zach's gonna be teaching the class on Friday, and I messaged him, and I was like, are you for real out here? And he goes, yeah. I go, I'll see you here. He's like, what word? You out there? And I was like, yeah. So we yeah, caught up for a little bit. He's a very cool guy. And, uh, you know, we I, think, I think he's coming out on, or cause I know he was out here in Santa Barbara for a wedding and whatnot. But, yeah. Yeah. For a day or two. I think he might've went back, but I think he's coming back on Thursday, um, with Thor and the, and the rest of the crew. Yeah. That man, Thor and, and, uh, EBI, that's going to be nuts, man. Thor's a beast. Man. Thor's a tough competitor, man. Thor is yeah. somebody, they ask me, they're like, you know, you get asked every once in a while. You're like, have you trained with people who are competing at And they're like, have you trained with Thor? And I was like, never. And they're like, would you? And I was like, no. I have I have very little to offer him other than uh, a body that can maybe allow him to figure out how he's going to beat the shit out of somebody. But he he's a strong, technical... Yeah, that's the thing. Whoever, whoever goes against him, like especially in, in competitions, like, man, if he taps you, there's a good chance you're taking damage, even, yeah. even if you, you tap out. Like, he's got the, the technique and power to, to put you away, you know? So that's going to be exciting. I think see. I was yelling at him a couple times because I saw some of his workouts, and I just go, nope. Yeah. No, no. And we got, we got Kyle, yeah, we got uh, Kyle Bohm and, uh, and and the other uh, Kyle from uh, uh, Kyle Chambers, yeah. Kyle Chambers and Kyle Bohm, so that's going to be nice, too, man. Those guys are both monsters. It'll be a good tournament, man. It's going to be them. We, Like I said, we just started by interviewing Steve Martinez on this episode. So he's in it. Felipe Lalin, Dan Martinez. Like, you got a lot of people who... Uh, the nice thing about this one is I don't know well enough. Somebody asked if I had a prediction. And I was like, I don't know the uncertainty of Jiu-Jitsu Plus. Like, it's one thing if it's just their Jiu-Jitsu game, and we might be familiar with it. But add that jiu-jitsu with the ability to open up with strikes or palm strikes or slaps. It, it does change things where you can't predict in the normal ways you've seen. You just got to see it. Yeah, I think, too, it's going to be a big part of it, I think, is going to is going to be, like, staying healthy for four matches back-to-back like that. That's going to be the toughest part, you know, like making – like not, like, popping any ribs or making sure you're fully hydrated to, to help avoid that, you know. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot more damage done, you know. So I think just being being healthy enough to to go four rounds is going to be the yeah. I think I think you might see the Datsusara commercial a few more times because if they're if they're at all civil, they're going to give those guys some recovery time. And you know, I I told I think it was Nick Honstein after the first jujitsu combat jujitsu match or or tournament or little mini tournament. As I just remember asking him, I was like, so your reward for winning is more combat jiu-jitsu? And he was like, essentially. And I go, that sounds crazy, dude. I was like, it sounds like one of those would take it out of you. Three or four of those is a lot. Four in one night is asking uh, that person to not only be durable, but hopefully take a, as little damage as possible. So that's the yeah, other thing. Yeah, it's part of it, too. 
yeah, winning winning matches with, without taking mm. damage is going to be huge, and that's going to be part of the strategy, I'm sure too. Yeah. Hey, did you see that? Uh, did you see that pump up or highlight where it's Chad George standing over the guy and just bam smacks the guy, and it's like EBI, and he smacks the guy again. They run it back, bam. <laughs> you know? I did. That's a, that's a pretty good highlight, man. We have a we have a nice article on Chad George that's going to be released at some point very soon, and and. You know, it details uh, kind of the, the behind-the-scenes nature of the very first match and uh, him and JM. And there's a whole bunch. I'm not even sure everybody knows, like, what those guys were particularly going through or what they were thinking. Um, but it, it's Chad-based, and I happen to know a little bit offhand from, from JM. And I very nicely asked JM, I was like, do you mind if I say a few things about that match? And he's like, nah, dude. He's like, I'm totally cool. Tell what you know, kind of a thing. And I was like, dope. So we're hoping to get that one out very soon. But that's not you. Jeremiah, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, man. You know, like I said, you're just always nice. And I I very much sincerely appreciate that. And I always look forward to seeing you compete next, man. So where can people follow you if they would like to follow you, sir? Uh, Instagram's probably the best. It's uh, JeremiahVance10. Yeah. So if you want to get a hold of me, that's probably the, the place to do it. Six stuff, dude.